It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Spursecast, episode 639. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the Spurscast. Since it's a holiday week, I'll be going solo on this episode of the Spurscast that I am recording on a Saturday evening. In this episode, I'll look back at the Spurs going 1-3 in their last four games, the team defense, Trey Jones' start to the year two, and Keldon Johnson's improved three-point shooting. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. So I know that it's been a holiday week, and um, it's been about 10 days since I last recorded a Spurs cast, so there's been quite a few games here that the Spurs have participated in. So let's first begin with the latest games, how the, how the team has done since I last recorded a Spurs cast episode, and then also kind of where the, where the team stands in the standings and, and different things like that, and then also um, some, some updates on the roster with player injuries. So since I last recorded, the Spurs did go 1-3 and three in their last four games. Uh, let's go back to last Thursday. So um, first of all, we, we go back to, uh, to Minnesota, where the Spurs are on the road. This is a pretty bad loss for them. This is... This is a blowout loss against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They lost by 25. Minnesota was only favored by two, but they ended up p- picking up a 25-point win. And so this was not a good game for San Antonio. They just they completely got blown out of this game. Then um, a few nights later on Monday, uh, the Spurs return home uh, for a three-game homestand. Uh, actually, it's, it's multiple games, but for this week, at least three games. Uh, so it's a Monday. They they lose a close game to the Phoenix Suns. So this is, a, you know, even though, yes, it's a loss, it's it's actually a, a pretty good game for the Spurs. The fact that they actually fell behind by 18 to Phoenix. They were, Phoenix was favored by five, but the Spurs did claw back and actually make it a, a, a game in crunch time in the last five minutes there. They made the Suns basically work for that win. And, and Phoenix did, though, hold on for that four-point uh, win against San Antonio. So that's more so of that kind of like that moral victory for the Spurs, the fact that they actually competed with the team that went to the finals last year in Phoenix and they had most of their players uh you know healthy for this game then on Wednesday the Spurs had another bad loss here uh this was to the Atlanta Hawks um at home in San Antonio they lost by 18 um Atlanta was only favored by three and a half but they ended up leading by as many as 21 so this is a very comfortable win for Atlanta and again another bad loss for San Antonio they just got you know they, they really didn't have a chance here in this one then on Friday the Spurs picked up a, a surprising um close win against the Boston Celtics uh by eight points the Celtics were favored by four and a half uh the Spurs built an early uh, lead on the Celtics by, by 24 points Boston did come back and take up to a seven point lead but then in the fourth quarter it was a close game between both teams and the Spurs actually out-executed Boston. Uh, DeJounte Murray hit, hit, hit clutch baskets for San Antonio. So did Derek White. And also their team defense, San Antonio, is really um, stra- um, you know, locked down the Celtics in that fourth quarter with, with the last five minutes to go. And so um, the San-, San Antonio did hold on for an eight-point win, which, again, is considered more so a close win for San Antonio. And they beat a team that, that was favored by four and a half in Boston. So, so the Spurs um, you know, did go one and three. 
in their last four games. Uh, you know, according to Vegas, they, they were supposed to go 0 4, so they kind of defied those odds. And one good thing for San Antonio is they did end their six game losing streak. I know that going into that Boston game, uh, they were already on a six game losing streak. And so um, they were able to, to stop that, that losing streak and, and finally get a win this time against a team that they weren't basically supposed to beat on paper in the Celtics. So where do the Spurs stand now through 18 games? They are now 5 and 13 um, for the season as a whole. Uh, they're 13th out west still since I last recorded. They're now three and a half games behind the Minnesota Timberwolves for 10th in the standings. So uh, out west again for that playing game. So again, it's, it, where that's going to be something we continue to watch for this team is you know how close can they keep it with the, whoever's in 10th place, or do they fall you know pretty far out where it kind of looks like it's almost a, um, you know very almost impossible to to get back into the playoff picture at some point. Um, you know where do they stand? I know it's I know it's really early. It's less than 20 games, but we do have to start discussing you know the lottery because if, if the Spurs don't get into the playoffs, well then we know they're to be a lottery team and so where do they stand right now uh through 18 games they, they do have the fifth worst record in the whole nba so that means that they would have a 42 percent chance of the top four pick and then a 11 percent chance at, at the number one overall pick so again i know it's really early in the season it's only been 18 games but we do got to discuss you know the lottery situation for the spurs because you know right now based on their record they, they do project not to have a lot of wins this season and so they could end up being a, a you know a high lottery team on offense, they're kind of where we thought they would be going into the season. They're 24th on offense. They're having trouble there. That's kind of been something that we kind of expected with the team losing a lot of their playmakers from, from last year's team. Uh, and then their defense has really slipped a bit here. They've, they've um, you know, they've fallen to 16th, and that's actually an improvement because earlier this week they were actually 20th. And so that's going to be one of the topics I'm going to really talk about is, is um, you know, this team is still there where they can put together a top 10 type of defense uh, like they did against Boston. But but oh, but but recently they've been, they've been slacking in that department. They've been really, um, you know, uh, having some issues. There. And so I'll discuss that a bit here in the in, in detail later on in the episode. Uh, Doug McDermott has missed a few games now. Um, he's missed three games in a row um, with right knee inflammation. And then also Devin Vassell got injured against the Hawks, and he had to leave early. And uh, he missed his first game of the season against the Celtics on Friday uh, with what the Spurs are diagnosing as a right quad contusion. Now, Coach Pop did say that both of these injuries for, for Devin and for Doug are not serious, so they should be back in the lineup um, soon. I don't, I don't know how long that, that will be before they return, but it shouldn't be too, too long. There was also um, basically the same update on Zach Collins. Um, Coach Pop basically said that the team does expect him back after Christmas, and that's kind of the projection that was given a few weeks ago uh, when, when, when Coach Pop was last asked about Zach's, Zach Collins' status. So the Spurs should be getting him back. Again, I'm just I'm estimating here, maybe sometime like in early January by the time he starts getting some, some, some practices in and, and games under his, and just you know getting his win back, then maybe I, we could see him in, in early or mid-January is what I would project. Again, that's just my opinion uh, with Zach Collins' return. So now let's go to our second topic of this episode, and that is what I'm calling. Here's a, the name of the title for this topic. I'm calling it "Top Ten Defensive Team Is Still There Somewhere." So, so the Spurs did show against Boston on on Friday that yes, that even though they have slipped a bit defensively, they're still a top ten um, type of defense still in this team. You know, with the players just still there, and they were able to find that type of team uh, on this night against Boston. So let's just talk about the defense how they've been doing lately and, and why this is this has been a bit concerning. Uh, they had dropped to 20th defensively before that Celtics game. Um, you know, during their losing streak, they had let their opponents score 110 or more in five of those six games. So again, that was an issue. Was that it wasn't just the offense? We know that they struggle on offense. That's kind of been a thing all, all season. But it was the fact that their defense, which was supposed to be their their their, their strong suit of their team, that that's actually been an issue for them. Uh, multiple players had been talking about uh, you know communication, how they're just letting you know teams are getting easy layups, wide open threes against them, and, and it just again, multiple players here had been saying you know miscommunication, 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 and so um, and then there was even um, after one of these games that they lost uh, there was even a players meeting uh, held uh, according to reporting so so again um 
this has kind of been an issue for this team lately was was the fact that their defense had been starting to slip and, and they did show in this one game against Boston on Friday that yes they can still get back to that top 10 level where they really did a great job of of, of locking the Celtics down uh, who, who have two premier scorers and Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown of the Spurs did a great job of really uh, for, for multiple quarters they're really um, holding those players until like the fourth quarter and so uh, and the Spurs held held the Celtics to 88 points which is season best for for an opponent against the Spurs so so again there, there's that ability to be one of those lockdown defenses and then we do know that when the Spurs are able to hold their opponent below 100 points, they, they win their games four out of five. They have Four of their five wins, should I say, have come because they've held their, their, their opponents below 100 points. So again, when they play that lockdown-type defense, that, that's going to usually um, end with success for the team. So let's just kind of go through the defensive numbers and see where the Spurs are at right now. Um, I'm going to first begin with the good stuff, with the good um, on defense for the team. Let's, let's talk about the, where are they elite. Where are they top 10 right now uh, on defense through 18 games? They're elite in, in not putting teams on the free throw line. They're still doing a really good job of this. Um, opponent free throw right, they're, they're fifth they're really good in transition defense they're fifth in opponent fast break points so they don't let teams get out on the break and score on them they're um they're still they're still pretty good in um t- forcing teams to turn t- to turn the ball over they're they're eighth there in turn an opponent turnover percentage so they're sort of good aggressive defense and in- making you turn the ball over um they're seventh in steals like we said you know long um Quick defenders, DeJounte Murray, Devin Vassell, all those kind of players, Derek White. They're very good about, about forcing teams into, into turnovers. And then, um, you know, this one looks like a good stat, but again, it's something that I've talked about here in the Spurs Cats. It's a, it's, it's a very concerning stat. It's that they're seventh best in opponent-restricted area accuracy. So, so you know, on paper, yes, this looks like a, a good stat. Yes, they're, they're seventh there. But again, teams are making 63% of their shots in that area, and that's a concern because if if, if you're basically getting six out of ten um, times the closest area to the rim, which is either a dunk or a layup, if you're making those as an opponent and you're getting there a lot, which is what's happening to the Spurs' defense, then that's a very um, you know big issue, the fact that teams are getting into the, to the closest area to the of, of the basket, the most efficient area. So, yes, even though that, that, that stat looks elite, because they're seventh best in that in that category, it's not a quite a good stat because again they're they're letting teams get there a lot to the rim, which is the easiest place place to score on the floor. Where are they average defensively? Um, you know they're average in keeping opponents off the board. Um, you know they're fifteenth in opponent offensive rebound percentage. They're twelfth in, in I mean they're fourteenth in defensive rebound percentage. This though I would I would attribute more so because they play a lot more small lineups. You know with one traditional big whether it's Jacoperto or Drew Eubanks or Thad Young, they don't play a lot of you know traditional two big lineups. And we even saw Coach Pop experiment in this game against the Celtics for a few minutes where he actually had Keldon Johnson play the five. All he had was guards and wings and no bigs at all uh, on the floor. And 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 you know Coach Pop is kind of experimenting with going a little bit smaller it seems uh at this point they're um 11th in points off turnovers you know that's not too concerning they they, they were top 10 there so they might get back in there uh, if, they, if they just get get a few more points there off the turnovers from the opponents um they're 12th in blocks which again playing small lineups you kind of expect that that even though some of their wing players can get can get blocks it's just going to be an issue for this team of not being one of those elite teams and getting blocks um they're they're 17th in forcing teams to take the mid-range so again that's a concerning sign that teams are not you know settling for the mid-range which is what you want to do because that's a very inefficient shot they're getting closer to the rim or they're getting threes against the Spurs um they're 17th in opponent three-point accuracy and so again it's it's not it's not bottom 10 to have to, that the, the teams are shooting and, and um you know the threes against them but again it's a concern because the Spurs are dead last in three-point attempts and they're also have trouble making threes themselves so so anytime that they're getting outscored from that three-point line that's going to be a big issue for this team um Kind of what I said earlier, you know, they're they're twentieth and making t- opponents take those floater range shots, those non restricted area inefficient shots. Teams just don't take that many shots against the Spurs because they can either get to the closest area of the rim, which is the, the restricted area, or they can take threes against the Spurs. So they're getting the two efficient shots that they want. The opponents against the Spurs as defense, and then um, 
They are, they are, uh, yes. Yeah, so sorry, I went the opponent three point accuracy. Um, and then bottom 10, where are they really having their issues? This is, these are the areas that they, they need to find some improvement to, to get back to that top 10 level here. Um, and that's opponent effective field goal percentage. So this is just looking at how to opponent shoot from, from the floor and then plus the three point shot and kind of, it, it's a formula that kind of adjusts those two numbers. And so they're 26 in this area. So again, um, even though their their um, their accuracy is more so like like a, like like average, I would say opponent accuracy from three is is about average. It's the fact that teams are getting to the closest area of the basket, the the, the restricted area, that's really bumping up that percentage for the opponents, and it's just an efficient night uh, for teams when they attack the rim. Uh, the opponent restricted area, like I mentioned earlier, how, how often teams are getting in there, uh, that's twenty six for the Spurs. Again, that's a very concerning sign that that's the easiest place to get dunks or layups, and, and the Spurs are twenty six and allowing shots there. And, and that was one thing that they did very well against Boston. They really uh, Boston really struggled to, to get. To to get shots in the, in the restricted area against the Spurs and then also to finish there. So that was one good sign. And I think that that numbers could improve a little bit with Jakob Pertl back, but it's also a concern because this was an area that the Spurs struggled with last year as well, getting letting teams basically get to the closest area of the basket. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Basketball, football, UFC, you name it. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. They're 21st in opponent floater attempts, so teams, again, don't have to take that many floaters against them. Uh, they're, 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 um, they're 25th in points in the paint, so even though we know that the Spurs are one of the top teams in scoring in the paint themselves, they're letting the, 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 it's kind of canceling itself out a little bit because opponents are, are getting points as well uh, in the paint against the Spurs. And again, this is a, a highlight against the Celtics that the Spurs did a great job of limiting Boston's points in the paint to an inefficient number. But again, on, an, on, on the normal nights, uh, the average nights, the Spurs are struggling there. And then, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier that the mid-range accuracy is also concerned just a bit of a concern uh the teams are sh- uh the spurs have the 26th um defense and mid-range accuracy for the opponents so again i think that if you can get this the opponents to take the mid-range that's a good shot for, i mean that's a good uh, um formula for your for your defense so you kind of want that you want to encourage opponents to take those mid-rangers um uh, more so than getting to the closest area of the rim or or at the three-point line um and then just some other numbers that, that do paint this picture is um, when we talk about the three-point shooting um, opponents are attempting 51% of their threes uh, wide open against the Spurs. And so I try to figure out the league average there, and, and, and the league average is 41%. So basically, opponents are getting 10% more three uh, wide open threes against the Spurs' defense than, than against the average uh, team. And then also, opponents are making 42% of their wide open threes. And what does this mean? This would be like the Clippers, who are the third best team in wide open threes um, accuracy-wise. This would be basically like every 
team the Spurs play on average is like the Clippers. They're, they're basically making those wide open threes at a very good number. 42.7% is what the Clippers shoot. And opponents on average shoot 42% from wide open three against the Spurs' defense. So again, this is an issue where the Spurs really need to figure out, this is something I've talked about before, where they need to figure out how to, um, you know, if they're, if they're not going to take threes and make a lot of threes themselves, well, then they need to turn, figure out how to become some, somebody like Washington, where, where they're one of those elite teams and and learning how to um, force teams off the three-point line and limit those amount of wide open threes and then um you know forcing them more so into those those mid-rangers and those um those non-restricted area floater range shots rather than um you know letting letting, letting teams get as close as possible to the, to the basket at, at the at the at the rim or um taking again t- making teams limit their three-point attempts now i think some of these defensive numbers are going to get better with yaka Pertle back i know that he had missed so many games he had to miss so many games uh due, due to due, due to the, the um, health and safety protocols so that that should maybe get back to to maybe um you know we should see some defense improvement and maybe that game against boston was it was a good sign but again if they, if they have trouble like they did against atlanta and against some of these other teams like minnesota where they're just not communicating and, and things like that we, we we can see that this team can have a lot of trouble um especially on the defensive side which is going to be their, their calling card this season that's going to have to be their strength no matter what for the season whether threes go in or out that needs to be the, the, their number one area of focus is, is is the defense so again we'll kind of see what happens with the defense Moving on to our third topic, and this is just a, I just want to talk a little bit about Trey Jones's start to year two, um, you know, of his, of his second season. We know that he had a tough time, um, you know, starting this year because he he ended up um, on, on the injured list. Basically, uh, he missed all all of preseason, and then he, and then he, you know he had a tough time kind of just getting back in, into rhythm uh, to start the year. And so so far, he has played in sixteen games for the team, sixteen of the eighteen games. The only the only two times he didn't play were because of DNPs from Coach Pop. Um, he's averaging about you know nine minutes, eight point seven minutes per game. Uh, he's scoring four points on three shots, shot attempts, and then a one assist. And so he's just very, you know, even though, yeah, four points doesn't sound like a lot. It's just the fact that he's a very efficient player and, and he knows what he's doing on the court with his decision making. It's very he knows whether he needs to pass the ball, whether he, whether he wants to take a shot. And so with the shots that he, that he does take, he's very efficient with those shots. So we do know that 45 percent of his, his attempts come from that non-restricted area, which is that floater range. Then 43 percent of his attempts come from the restricted area, which is like your, your layup, you know, range of the, the area closest to the basket. And so he, he does a good job of basically just sticking in the paint where 88 percent of his shots come from and just making sure that if he's going to shoot the ball it's going to be from one of those two areas he really doesn't mess around the mid-range only six percent of his attempts and he doesn't mess around the three-point line only six percent of his attempts from there when he does take an, uh, a shot in the floater range right now, he's doing very well. He's making 59% of his shots from that floater range, and that's basically like, like money for him right now where he's getting over a point per shot on that on that shot. So right now the data does say, yes, Trey Jones uh, should keep taking those shots if they're there for him. When he gets into the to the um, restricted area, the closest area to the basket, he's finishing very well against the defense. He's he's making 67% of his, his restricted area attempts, which are, like, like I said, layups for him. And so he's doing a very good job of that. So again, if, if he continues to take those shots specifically, and as long as he's making having these close um you know accuracy numbers then it, that those are very good efficient shots for him and we see that in the, some of the data when we look at the the points per possession amongst all spurs players he's basically fourth most efficient among rotation players behind only Dejounte murray Keldon johnson and devin vassell so basically when trey puts up a shot he's doing so um very efficiently we know you know just looking at the data we know that it's going to be a good shot for him because he's not taking shots that he's not comfortable with and, and those are basically very efficient shots for him he's basically getting a, a, lot, a lot of value for the shots that he's putting up right now um we also know that he's been one of the the, the, the leaders and um you know one of the, the players that can drive the ball for the team and get into the teeth of the defense he's basically sixth in in most drives on the team and when we look at players off the bench he's basically third behind only Lonnie Walker the fourth and Devin Vassell when he does drive the ball 57% of the time he shoots it 
30 percent of the time he passes it and then nine percent of the time he does turn it over and then he doesn't get to the free throw line too much just two percent of the time uh when he drives the ball does he get to the free throw line and he's also shooting well whenever he does drive the ball whenever he whenever he drives and takes a shot he's making 52 percent of those attempts on drives which again is over a point per shot and then we just know he's a good defender um you know nothing really pops out on the team you know compared to his teammates when you look at some of his stats but he's about average on most of the uh, most of their areas on, on defense and you know deflections steals defensive field goal percentage contested shots and and then um uh, also not not drawing a lot of fouls and then also um defensive rebounding so basically you know he's not popping out as one of the elite players on the team in these categories but he's also not 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 one of the worst players in these categories he's about basically like average in in all of his numbers per 36 when we look at all those different stats for trey jones so again jones is having having a good start here he's starting to get more increased minutes and it looks like pop's starting to go go to him a little bit more so as that that basically that that default backup point guard or um he plays him sometimes at the two where he's he's looking like a combo guard at times and so basically we are seeing is you know he's not going to let you down on defense and then on offense he's starting to be a very productive player even though it's not a lot of scoring for you he, he's at he's at least being very efficient when he does put put shots up on the team in year two for trey jones then the last topic I want to discuss is I just want to talk about um, Keldon Johnson's improvement from three from three point shooting range, and I want to mention this because I know that here on the Spurs cast, if you listen each week, we you know that we've kind of discussed Keldon shooting, you know, more so on the negative side where where he really struggled, and, and you know at times teams were basically leaving him wide open and daring him to, to shoot from three early on in the season when he was really struggling. But now you know he's really picked it up this number. Now he, he again he doesn't take that many attempts. He only takes uh, Keldon only two point eight attempts per game, but but at least when he takes the attempts, he's he's, he's efficient when he when, with, with the shots that he's putting up. From three, he's now up to thirty nine percent on accuracy on the team uh, with, with fifty one total attempts, and and thirty nine percent is a good number here. It's it's second best amongst rotation players, behind um only um Doug McDermott, and he's basically tied in accuracy with Devin Vassell. Even though we know that Vassell is more so of, of your of your actual three point shooter because he actually takes more attempts than Keldon. That's more that's one of his go to shots. But again, you know the the fact that Keldon's taking these threes now, it's looking like a more a more efficient shot compared to some of his teammates. Um, we've also seen this in the wide open threes data. I know that here on the Spurs cast for a few times, I, I mentioned how, how Keldon's like attempting 67% of his, his threes are attempted wide open. 70% of his attempts are attempted wide open. And this basically means defenses were daring him to, to take the three, you know, to here, have the three all day that you want. Well, now that number's climbed down to just 55% of Keldon's attempts are, are, are attempted wide open. So again, we're even seeing now more so that defenses as well have, have seen that, hey, this guy started to make threes now. Maybe we don't want to give him as many wide open attempts. So we're starting to see that in the data that only 55% of Keldon's threes are attempted wide open now that he's started to improve his accuracy. And then even when he takes the wide open three, um, he, he's actually making it. Uh, he, he's got his percentage up to thirty six percent on those those attempts as well, which is, is which is over a point per shot. And again, if he can get over forty percent, then that's going to be a really good number for him on those wide open threes. So again, Keldon, I just want to give a shout out to Keldon here. Uh, the fact that I know that I've been a little negative on him with his three point shooting, um, you know, in past Spurs cast episodes. So we do want to highlight that he has improved. Um, you know, basically, he's accuracy wise, he's basically one of the best shooters on this team at this point because so many of the other players are, are struggling from 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 outside on on this team. So before we, we wrap up this episode, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, you know, Stephen Michael continues to, to, to um, uh, analyze each game. So he has his going for three series after each Spurs game. And then also, you know, with, with the draft, I know it's months months away. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein, though, is looking at different draft prospects. His latest um, uh, article is on Jabari Smith. So if you want to check that out, and like I mentioned earlier, if the Spurs don't do well this season, well, then they're going to end up uh, pr- probably with like a top, you know, top, top 10 pick uh, if, if they, don't, they don't make the playoffs here, if, if they really struggle. Uh, so, so we'll kind of see what happens uh, And again, Ben's kind of getting you prepared for the draft. Thanks to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.